Welcome to PT Shop Talk, where two guys talk about therapy, sports, music, and everything in between. Remember, this podcast represents the opinions of the host and their guests to the show. Content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is a unique snowflake, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. We make every effort to ensure that the information we share is accurate, and we welcome any comments, suggestions, or corrections of error. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or basis of expert witness testimony. Now, here's your hosts, Nick Doling and Casey Hansen. Welcome everybody to episode 14 of PT Shop Talk. On this episode, we discuss our first year of PT practice as well as talk about our top five favorite drummers of all time. With me today is Nick, bass drum, kick some, make you want to get some, doling, as well as Jeremy, hi-hat, Ben Klompenberg. Welcome, Ooh. gentlemen. Welcome, you, Case. I so made yours more aggressive, one, Nick. I felt that, like you're more yeah. aggressive. You just wait till we get to that list, boy. Yeah, it's nothing but <laughs> hi-hat. I'm going to feel real dumb by giving Jeremy that nickname. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Real quick to the rest of the world. In honor of Taylor Hawkins, RIP, boy. Sad deal. Those not listening relatively live. That's hence the tribute today. So, yeah, that was a, that was a bum deal. Woke up, uh, found that out. You know, I, uh, I'm Foo Fighters are probably one of my favorite current bands. So it was kind of Mm -hmm. a bum deal. I've seen him live. I thought he was a very important part of that band. So I don't know what they're going to do going forwards. Yeah. And he's been just a staple since I was, I, I felt like forever, but I looked it up not to, he joined him on the second album in 97, but still mm-hmm. a long haul to be there 25 years. <clears throat> and he wow. looks super healthy. I mean, he was always, he always came across like a really healthy guy. So I think they call that heroin chic, Nick. I don't know if that's healthy. <laughs> I don't think he had heroin chic. You got to go back to like um, drummer for Guns N' Roses. Is that Sad- Stadler? <laughs> Steven <laughs> Adler. Must not be on your Ad- list, huh? Adler, you're right. Got to keep it. Oh, you, Jeremy, knows a lot. Fun fact? No, I was. Uh, I uh, played a little percussion back in my day. So, Ooh, yeah, well, yeah. this Dang. list could be good. Now you can make fun of mine <laughs> from an educated standpoint. That's nice. No, it's not going to be educated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you have to learn how to play uh, piano before they let you play drums? uh we were supposed to uh i didn't I've last very long with that about that yeah because technically piano is a percussion instrument yes correct yep yeah, so yeah. is the cowbell yeah. right. <clears throat> on the piano note my son connor has learned <clears throat> he picked it up on youtube he's been taking piano lessons for about the last year and on youtube he picked up the main theme to interstellar and it's just Ooh. nailing it right now like, giving me little nice. goosebumps so big shout out to to my boy C. Do you, do you freestyle okay. over it? Does he no, because there's no words. I just weep. I just weep. Oh, okay. That's like powerful Hans, too. Like, like Hans Zimmer probably did. <laughs> Any books falling off uh, bookshelves or anything like that? No, I haven't entered the wormhole yet. <laughs> the black hole or wherever we're at. We, that, was a, that was an episode earlier, Jeremy. I don't think you were part of us yet. No? 
Oh. Well, should, we, should we address the elephant in the room, the giant, like, seven-foot-tall elephant that is now a permanent fixture, a staple, if you will? Yeah, address it. Address <laughs> yeah, it. Anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> so we felt like there was enough uh, positive energy, and I'm sure all of our listeners felt the same. And um, following last week's podcast, we extended a, a permanent invitation spot to Jeremy to be, make this a trio, our trio, if you will. Um, the rush of podcasts now. So. Yeah, pot of thunder, hashtag. Oh, yeah. uh, but now I have to re-record <laughs> our opening, which is frustrating. So, Jeremy, you're going to have to do that. I don't want to do it again. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's we'll that's on you. Also, we're going to have to change our picture. There's a lot of things. I will. Into I'm going to get onto that. I'm going to look in, and I know you're looking on the logo stuff, but I'm, yeah. I was already thinking I'm going to I'm going to do something. With some updated stills and stuff. I will send you a new mock-up as well of the logo. So, oh, exciting! But now I have to to draw Jeremy. (laughs) He takes up a lot of space. You're gonna like just a really tall, a really tall stick figure with like the head cut off. Well, I'd probably just keep the same logo and yeah, just put you in the background. (laughs) Easier. I'm sorry. It's all good. All good. Nickname him Lurch. Lurch. <laughs> You've had to have heard it's that one, before, right? You rang. <laughs> yeah, I can be. Uh, what was what was the main Adam Gomez? Gomez. Yes. I'll I'll do it. You're, you're hairy. Yeah, so a cousin Ant. Is that what I'll go with? <laughs> me, 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 me. I did he even make a noise. I don't think so. That was more of a beaker thing. <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> you had it right the first time. But me, me, me. Okay, he does do that. Okay, I couldn't remember. It's been a long time. Uh, yeah, so had a course this weekend. That was a blast. That was fun. How was it? It's good. You know, we had a good mix of students. So when we offer courses, any students that are with CIs can take the course. So actually cool. one of the students had been uh, with one of my employees. So I knew her kind of. So it was fun to see her again. Mm-hmm. Um, asked her about not taking a job with us so that was good nope. um you know and we had some therapists that had 20 years of experience so it was all over the board it was fun yeah you know cool. we we do we do it all on zoom so it's nice so we do breakout rooms about every 20 30 minutes so yeah i was gonna ask how interactive you're able to keep it yeah so it's really interactive because we just randomize it so every it just plugs two people in a room and so they go back and forth and work on the metaphors and they kind of talk through like difficult patients and how they think mm-hmm. they'd address it. And then Brady and I are able to go in and out of the rooms as we want. Yep. So yep. I pop feature. into a room yeah. and say, you know, how's it going? You know, are you struggling with any part of the story or does not, you know, like, ah, this doesn't resonate with me. Well, here's another story that I'd maybe use in this patient or, or, you know, they'll come and say, yeah, I have a patient that didn't respond well to this what would you so they get a lot of one-on-one time with us too which is cool because a lot of times when yeah, you meet at the groups, cool. they don't you know you get back into your group after breaking out anybody have any questions and everybody goes i just want to eat lunch move on. <laughs> you know we don't do any hands-on stuff in this course so it's perfect for zoom you know yeah yeah like, it does lend itself well i thought yeah in some ways i wish we could almost just do it like half afternoon half evening like two days in a week i think we'd get more people yeah, I can see what you're saying. Yeah, rather than you a know, full day, two to two to six to twice screen. a week or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you wouldn't have to give your weekend up, and I don't know. Yeah, nobody wants to do that, though, bro. A lot of options. 
PTs are suckers. We've like committed to working on weekends for our CEUs. It's garbage. I mean, it's kind of just normal. I mean, I've, I've kind of just accepted it over the years. That's the problem, Nick. Yeah. It's time to fight back. It. Fight the power. You gotta fight, Beaten, fight back. Beaten when the physicians submission. do CEUs, they, they take the week off. Oh, I gotta see you. And they usually go to like uh, Atlantis in the Bahamas. In the Bahamas. <laughs> Atlantis. We need, a, we need a conference now. <laughs> so I don't yeah. know how we get suckered. Even our big conferences are on the weekends. So when you say yeah. we got suckered, almost as like Chris Rock got sucker slapped. Sucker slapped. You're working this yeah. better. Yeah, better. okay. Baby. Yeah, the slap heard around the world. Uh, I heard you got a hot take, you said, right? Oh, I don't have it. I don't know if I have a hot take. I Did Jeremy have a hot take. Who had the hot take? <laughs> I just, uh, it was interesting. I, I don't watch the Oscars. I don't watch award shows. I, I have zero interest in them, but I'm on my phone, right? And Twitter pops up, you know, the whatever's trending. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. And I pulled it up. Obviously, I thought it was staged right away. But then you go 15 minutes later and people are like, yeah, not staged. And then you watch the video. For me, not so much the slap, but him cursing afterwards. This is a guy that, like, I grew up thinking, like, this is the this is the only man Super that raps queen. and doesn't swear, right? And, queen. and yeah. he's out here in front of I don't know a thousand people dropping f burgers left and right. I'm like that. That's the problem. The slap yeah. I can forgive. I yeah. as a man who's been slapped by another man, it puts a person in their place. I will say that. It's my Dude. hot take on that. There's yeah. almost. I don't know if there's anything more demoralizing, right? Because it's saying you're not, you know what? I'm not worried about you enough to punch you and make <laughs> sure you're out. It's like, I'm going to keep you conscious for this. Well, and I think, too, him. Hey, you know, the slap <laughs> is like, the slap freezes you too. Like if you've been slapped, you're like, I, I don't know how to process the situation where like if somebody punches you, it's pretty quick to just, okay, it's going down and it's a fight. Yeah, the slap, that just puts you in your place. Like, okay. It's a total I, meme now, too. I, I can't, you know, I haven't seen anybody put it together with like the Rick James, Dave Chappelle mm. skits. Like, totally missed Mark, opportunity. Maybe it's too Mark obvious. James. Yeah. Not a bad opportunity. It'll, it'll, probably, it'll probably come around. Yeah, give people time. It'll, yeah, I've seen a whole lot of memes. Have though. faith <clears throat> in humanity, Nick. Yeah, the Batman yeah. Robin one, that's always solid. That's just yeah, a classic slap I mean, to begin with. I guess I got. My my take is is maybe it's maybe it is a hot take because I don't really care. I don't care one way or the other about it. And I think it's just something. It's polarizing I'm not say for people. It's staged. I'm not. <laughs> why is it polarizing? I just don't. Well, some people because are like, people yeah, hate. hit. You got to defend your woman, and any force necessary is fine. And then other people are like, no matter what, you don't use force. Uh, so well, that I, I don't know if I agree with that take. I I just think like. <clears throat> The way, the way I explained it, Michelle was like all into it too, because like it was everywhere yesterday. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I, on one hand, I totally respect like comedians, especially we, we were talking about comedians are just last week we were saying yeah, that. The funny's going away. They're, they're, they're trying to keep the free speech thing going. So I'm totally respectful of that. You know, I think Chris Rock has every right to crack jokes. Everybody should be fair game at that place, you know? Yeah, Even, it's almost like a mini roast when you go to those things. I mean, yeah, it's, it's I mean, it was nothing compared to like what Ricky Gervais used to do. He was, oh, yeah, like, who loved it. But then at the same time, I also don't totally condemn a guy. If, I, okay, I know the marriage thing with, with like Will and Jade is all messed up too, anyways, and it's all open. But at the same time, if that's the woman you love and um, 
you know, somebody says something that hits them hard, they're, they're not feeling it. You know, I respect his, you know, desire to go up and kind of, I don't know, defend her a little bit. But so I just, ultimately, I just don't care. Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess he could have just handled it better. Uh, the curse, <laughs> like I said, the cursing, that, that would have worked had I been on stage saying something and Will Smith told me to keep something out of my effing mouth. I'd be like, oh, okay. That's yeah. taken, point taken. <laughs> All right, Jeremy, what's your take? What do you think? Yeah, you know, uh, none of it really bothers me. I mean, uh, you, you'd hope he's got uh, a little thicker skin. I would agree when you're like, man, that's fair game. Especially with like, like, Jane is pretty open on her different talk shows that she goes on to. So it's not like they're like, you know, trying to keep any secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So See, I'm um, totally in the dark on that stuff. I've like I've been on the so I really learned about all that basically yesterday. What's what's the show Red Table or something like that, uh, where basically they just go and just air their laundry, um, and yeah, um, it's all dirty. So yeah, dirty kind of. <laughs> it's uh, well, the best just, kind. I guess uh, different, different from the norm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you'd hope he's got a little thicker skin, but uh, I don't know. I get I get that you're human and. We were talking last week too. I'm probably a little bit more of the jealous type, so I'd I'd probably You're slap the ass out of with me, yeah. I might slap. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're the guy uh, that was on the other end of the slap that would hit me. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm out here trying I, to make a dollar. I probably wouldn't. I don't think I'd be the guy either that uh, here's me just dodging questions again. I don't think I'd be the guy that says no fours, but I I, I don't know. I'd I'd probably. I'd probably restrain from it, I guess. Yeah, the biggest thing... It's a weird situation. The biggest thing for me is, like, like there's some mental stuff going on there, right? Because he's laughing. Ten seconds later, he's rushing up on stage slapping a dude. Like, this dude is processing some stuff, obviously, and not in a healthy way. That's that's more of my big concern there. Like, to have that short of a fuse and, uh, you know, it's not like Chris Rock was bagging on him. I mean, there was other people making fun of her through the night you know so maybe it was building a little bit but yeah i guess i didn't watch any of it so yeah, again I, I don't care yeah yeah it's probably more it's, it's probably more upsetting to me the fact that we give actors that big of a stage in our lives <laughs> you know like i saw I, I saw a headline that was like the world could be on the brink of nuclear war yet the only thing trending <laughs> is a slap <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm like it's because they gotta... want you to care. Yeah, I, I know. I am I enough of that side. I don't. I don't know. I'm not gonna say it's all staged, but let's just say it fell into their lap. You know, the media loves this stuff. Even if yeah. you only get 48 hours out of it, they just love it. Just next, everybody next had a take. Like he was on ESPN yesterday, and they're they're going through it. It's like who cares? Ultimately, it's like two guys who flesh something out. Like, yeah, like Chris Rock should be in the. UFC, I saw that. Dude can take a hit. Strong yeah. kid. Well, it's slapping Will Smith. <laughs> Dude's got pecs. I've seen his movies. Don't hold him back. I don't yeah. think he's going to take a punch to the face from Kamaru. He Smith. once played Ali? Muhammad Ali. Thank you That's very much. He, that was 21 years ago. Hey, I'm Back just saying, you don't, you don't forget that muscle memory, son. <laughs> 
Jeez. Speaking of twenty, that's the take. What speaking of twenty of... some years ago, maybe we should move <laughs> on to our next PT topic. I'm trying to work on these too. Uh, yeah, I think, all right, I think that on. was my. <laughs> Jeremy, when you Swinging first started, you're gonna you're gonna kick us off. And not twenty years ago, but tell us about you know your first year in the practice. What like, all right. What did you experience, highs, lows, everything in between, kind of what you recall from what time of year you started, the onboarding pro- Let's start with when you started, time of year, and then your onboarding process. Um, I started up in, um, in June or July. Uh, I think it was actually the end of June, maybe 23rd, 26th, some, something in there. Um, so the uh, onboarding process, um, I took my boards early. Uh, that was a fight in itself, but then, uh, you know, you think, oh, man, I passed my boards, then I'm going to be good, and then you realize the, you know, patient, you get the whole credentialing process, so um, I was lucky enough that, you know, we did some some home health, and uh, I was able to be plugged in uh, to some of those things that didn't need credentialing right away, and uh, uh, so different, right, from what you think you're going to be doing right away, but um, you know, it was some good meaningful treatment, good time to, you know, get some one-on-one under your belt because you go through that last year of clinicals and you're like, oh man, I can't believe this CI is like hovering over me. And then, uh, like you get in, <laughs> into the room by yourself and you're like, oh crap, I don't have, like, if I don't know the answer to this, like, I don't have anyone to look to. Um, <laughs> and the so, ultrasounds for Jeremy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to start telling some metaphors here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it was good. I mean, uh, I feel like it went relatively quick. I mean, by August, I feel like most of uh, most of my time was at the clinic, if I'm recalling that correctly. And uh, yeah, it was good. Um, I, I think I, I think I uh, went through the, the whole uh, Dunning-Kruger effect where you know, again, you get out of school and you're like, I've got this. I'm like, I'm so smart and I'm a doctor of physical therapy and I'm going to heal the world. And, you know, these other clinicians are lazy and I'm going to fix everything. And, and then you, you know, you practice for a little while and you're like, oh my God, I don't know anything. Some of us were did lazy. Did I even graduate? <laughs> did I even graduate? <laughs> So oh, you went from uh, anti-imposter syndrome to imposter syndrome. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so, and, uh, um, you know, I know we're going to segue into a little bit of talking about CEUs, but it was later that year, uh, that fall, actually, I started um, the orthopedic residency with EIM. And um, honestly, that helped a ton, uh, just solidifying skill set in terms of just the general knowledge base as long as well as like integrating manual skills as well and is that uh, always that your plan was that always your plan to do that or was there like a moment where you're like boy i could sharpen up on some things like i'm gonna go this route now no when we went to i mean before we finished up at usd that was one of our actually i think it was one of the um week before graduation little projects that was like what's your five-year plan, you know, in terms of C and that sort of thing. And so, um, uh, I believe we just had a short presentation on, on board certification and, uh, 
Um, I was like, yeah, I think that's the route that I'd like to go. And um, brought that up to Nick at the time. And, you know, I think your advice at that time, Nick, was, I think, spot on. And what I would give to any other new clinician, too, it's like, like, how about we just get a, you know, a few months of practice under your belt first and, and, uh, you know, uh, just, just concentrate on being a therapist first. And, and then, uh, you know, if this is something you still want to pursue, let, then let's hit it up. So, uh, and that's the route we went. Did you start, remind me, did you, when, what was your cohort? Was it January 14? Was yeah. it, what well, was it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I, gotcha. I went through the. I went through the application process and yeah, fall of 13 and then uh, January yeah. 14, we started up. So. Well, I mean, it worked out well. <clears throat> yeah. Did the ends justify the means? That's a question we've talked about offline. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a good question. I mean, like what, obviously uh, going through residency isn't free. Um, and then there's, you know, if, if I would have dedicated the amount of time, uh, to just secondary study that I had to, to the residency, do I think I'd end up in a similar spot? Yeah, probably. Um, you know, cause you're, you know, really when you're going through those classes, I, I thought they had a nice mix of in-person and online as well, but you know, you're creating posts and doing lit searches and defending posts. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's intense on top of a full-time job. And, uh, but it was good. I mean, and it kept me focused on, on what I needed to do. So, um, if I went back, I, I think I'd do it the same way. I really do. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, it gets you out of your own, uh, biases to at least to a certain point. I mean, you're exposed to a lot of different treatment methodologies. Um, I, I that's one of the best things about EIM. I think, geez, they should, maybe we need to get the 10%, 10% coupon code in here. <laughs> and we thank you for sponsoring today's podcast. <laughs> but uh, I, I really enjoyed the fact that they, they go, hey, man, there, there's value in a lot of different techniques and um, not getting too caught up in the quote-unquote tribes but yeah. um, or the methodology behind that. But just kind of the idea of move it and move on um, is this truly evidence-based, um, you know, and, and is this valuable? So it, it gave a lot of different tools in the toolbox. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Case? What was your first year like? Yeah, I graduated in May. I already had my job before I graduated lockdown. Uh, we talked about this before. I could take my boards whenever. So I think I gave it a solid couple days of studying and then took the boards. And, what a badass. Uh, yeah. You are. <laughs> and passed them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in Minnesota, you could practice with a temporary license. So, once I passed my boards, pretty much just started practicing. Yeah, I think I from graduation to working was maybe two weeks of downtime. Um, so I'll practice on that temporary license for a month. I think that's how long it probably took from passing boards to getting my license from Minnesota. And then, but I made the mistake. I knew I always wanted to practice in North Dakota. I figured my first job would just be a temporary job. So I went to get licensed in North Dakota first. Um, which is super easy. North Dakota, you just like leave a message on their voicemail and you're like, I'd like a license. And they're like, okay. But then the <laughs> Minnesota process takes forever. Like, so classic, what is the difference between, yeah, right. Send two piglets and a bushel of corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Literally when I graduated, it was some lady, you know, it's like, Hey, this is, 
you know, Stacy and Brian, like, leave a message, and you're like, uh, this is for, like, the board? So, yeah, it was just like they're you're running in. out of the house <laughs> at the time, you know? Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I got my job started, rural health in Minnesota, um, Breckenridge, Minnesota. So, did a little bit of everything, but they also wanted to start an outpatient clinic in Oaks, North Dakota, and they needed somebody to travel out there, and they wanted to start a clinic Lord in hills. Milner, North Dakota as well, which is on the Milner. way. Milner? So Milner like, Sergeant? Yep. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I might as well do it. I don't know anything anyway. So this will be a nice dip my toes into the deep end. Uh, yeah. So I had to figure out the process for coding, billing. They didn't have any of that stuff. They had contract work in the hospital, but did no outpatient work there. So um, called to do my own scheduling, called to do my own insurance, uh, did all that stuff. So it was, it was a good experience. I mean, it was kind of nice because I was just starting. So there was wasn't a huge like productivity expectation. It was like, just get it off the ground and get people in the door. And we understand you have to do your insurance and call and do your schedules and order everything and figure out what you want. So that was pretty cool. And then probably about uh, eight or nine months in our company decided that they had to do electronic documentation because of uh, Obamacare had that, you know, um, requirement. Um, so they said we needed a content expert. And again, you just graduated. You seem like you'd be the one to be a content expert on something. So <laughs> uh, I started in on that group and that was pretty cool. I, so that's why I got into the contract part of it. I contracted like they, my company hired contractors that then subcontracted me through my own company. So that was weird. Hmm. No, I understand that. <laughs> yeah, it all made no, sense. I mean, I mean, it does make yeah. sense actually in so, some ways. Yeah, they just need somebody to manage it. And so then I started in the content expert part of it and then gathered all that information and then eventually turned that into building the program with this company too. So um, yeah, a lot of cool opportunities in that first year. It was all over the place, Definitely. you know, yeah. did home Sounds health, unique. did acute care. Um, yeah, started the started clinics, figured out how to do all that stuff. So just awesome. doing things, making moves. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Very I guess. Unique. My philosophy has always been if somebody asks you to do something, you do it and uh, figure it out later. You know, like, I don't know. That's always my advice to young therapists, too, is like, don't worry about getting paid for what you do. Like, bust your butt. Like, it all comes back around. If you do a good job, put your heart into something. Like, it's not about dollar signs because the dollar signs will come, you know. So, yeah. He's out here year. playing chess and we're playing checkers, boy. Oh, man. So was, <laughs> I was playing about 18 different games at once and I didn't know the rules to any of them, Jeremy. Yahtzee! Jim! <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, this is a dice game. But I don't know. I think I'm winning, though. So. That, was my, that, was, that was my first year. I was down to what did yours look like, Nick? Uh, it looked like chicken bone. No. <laughs> you were playing that game, too. Yeah. No, mine, um, I was also in a rush to start. I'd started my employment agreement well before um, I graduated. And <clears throat> not as aggressive as you, I guess. I can't say that I, I started like two weeks after my graduation. But um, I was in a wedding when one of my best friends got married down at Turks and Kikos. So um, I had to partake in that. That was kind of like right at the end of May, right around Memorial Day. Came now, back. How far for, is that from Green Bay? I think it's approximately 1,700 miles okay. south. Now I know. I'm, I've calibrated. Go on. Yeah, I could be way up. That'd be really... Jeremy, Google map and tell me how I'm doing it. I'm doing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, anyways, I 
um, I would, I was in a rush to take it because I just felt really confident at the time. I've always felt like I'm a strong test taker. I think we talked about that one other time. Mm. Uh, I came here to M- Michelle and I came Marshall to check out some houses. And I remember we had a PTA working for us named Cody Morris and he, uh, Jason Banks is the guy who hired me. Uh, he gives me a tour and we bump into Cody introduces me to him. And right away, Co- Cody didn't beat around the bush and he's like, Oh, so you're the guy we're waiting on, huh? And they were just swamped. I mean, like just super backed up, waiting yeah. for patients and, and they've been waiting on me for a while. And, um, and <laughs> he goes, when are you taking your boards? <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I, I got to schedule that yet. Ah, jeez, Louise. You know, he's like, he looks at Jason. He's like, we're double, booking, we're double booking all these patients, and this guy is sitting around. <laughs> I'm like, and then they laugh, and he's like, I'm just busting your balls or something. Yeah. Like that, you know? And, but I got back, <laughs> I got back to Sioux Falls, and I'm like, I better register. So I took it, um, I think I took it June 22nd. Uh, like, just like UKC, we could, we had a kind of a rolling process. I found out the very next day I passed, which is super awesome. Um, just doesn't happen like that anymore. Started work the very next day, June 24th, which was a Wednesday, first whole day in Hortonville. And um, I'll kind of wrap this up because I remember I came back day two, spent that in Marshall, um, doing some like, kind of clinic mentoring and stuff like that. Did a little bit of patient care, but credentialing obviously was an, was an issue in private practice. So then I'm going back Friday and I had to go back up to our corporate office, do my home health and long-term care training. And, and Wade Vandover, our CEO, pulls me aside. He pulls me out of the speed and tells me that um, we're about to contract with a very Marshall Regional Medical Center. We don't have a deal in place. So this is where the subcontracting thing kind of goes, you know, like, like I'm saying. And he's, he's basically like, I know you're supposed to be in the clinic, but we need somebody to help out. We don't have your credentialing. So I hope you're good covered over there for, you know, a couple of months. Cause they got this there. Basically they had a, they had a therapist at the time who was like right at the edge of her um, start of maternity mm. uh, right at the end of her pregnancy. And thankfully I did. I had like one day to shadow with her and then she went into labor that night. And then I took over a case like the very next day. That must've so, been a stressful day for her. I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't a great, I mean, it was a different experience because I was there just as we were, um, just as we were, starting to manage it right towards the end of my time over there definitely seen as the face of change every day you know physical person in the building like oh god this guy's not one of us he's a big cell therapies guy um yeah so a little awkward but just like you said you know i I didn't really it wasn't really presented like a question to me either yeah be there and i didn't think anything of it and and at the same time you know i loved it I'd, i'd had enough time you know, with CEs, you just come off of all that rotation stuff. So I was excited to fly a little bit without a net, be more of a colleague than, you know, an apprentice. So that was kind of the early part there. Now I think we're moving on to CEUs, right? Yeah, I think script. so. So when you first started with uh, Big Stone, uh, that <clears throat> first day of orientation, did you guys have to like go to the insane asylum for that first day too? Oof, that was intimidating. I said this place is 100% haunted. Guaranteed. I know. I was. I was. I predate that. So. Oh, okay. Um, I was still in the bait. We were in the basement of the Ordenville Hospital. Mm. I don't know. Also probably first. haunted. Also yeah, I was say, similar amount you of ghosts. Got it for pennies of the dollar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so good. That's haunted. 
I'm not going to lie when they were like, yeah, and the good news is you could stay here too when you come to Ortville. I'm like, no, I'd rather sleep in my car in a haunted house. So, yeah, that's a, (laughs) yeah, that place still gives me nightmares. I'll take my chances with the Crown Victoria. (laughs) (laughs) Just point me to the nearest cemetery. It's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, CEUs taking that first CEUs. year, huh? Jeremy, did you take ghost yeah. hunting CEUs? <laughs> no, uh uh I would say that was a that was a bulk of it was uh uh some of the EIM coursework. Uh, probably the first probably the first actual CE I went to. That was not that long after we were kind of going through like FMS, SFMA. Um, I think we had done that as a company, Nick, uh, would it have been 2012, maybe 2012, October of 12, I think we brought him in October, yeah. November. Yeah. And so, you know, that was a little less therapy based and, but more, you know, communication with other wellness colleagues, but you know, good, good assessment, uh, yeah. Yeah. qualities out of that. And, uh, so it was kind of learning a little bit of the language that was used around the clinic as well. Um, Gosh, I'm having to think back. I mean, then I think the next big, big uh, CE we went to after that outside of EIM was was Chicago, was uh, SFMA. Yeah, so, we did, didn't we do SFMA right before EIM lower extremity? I believe so. Remember those being like back to back weeks. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. That was that. Was, gosh, that was a fun trip uh, going to Chicago. Uh, Benad. Uh, Benad. Talking about. I mean, he was out there a little bit, you know, talking Nipping about livers, vi- baby. Vi- visceral manipulation and uh, Casey loves I, that. Who am I? Who am I? Oh, already. He was, <laughs> hey, funny, funny thing though, he was a physio, right? He wasn't. He was wasn't a phys- He was not a physical therapist. He was a physio. Um, it sounded like he was practicing like a physical. Therapist. But <laughs> but again, I would say conceptually, uh, I really appreciated Bernard. that where you're looking at. You know, again, like we talked, uh, loaded versus unloaded. Um, it it spoke to me because I guess I my brain works very algorithmically. Um, if this, then this. If this, then this. Um, mm-hmm. So that's like kind of how I run through things uh, in patient care too. Um, so even though I wouldn't say I impl- implemented the uh, full on, you know, system, uh, yeah. a lot of the conceptually, a lot of that stuff still stays with me today. So. Yeah. Same here. A lot of good stuff. Yeah. Casey, you? Yeah. Casey, Case. Uh, you probably were busy building clinics. You didn't have time. Yeah. See. Well, they also <laughs> needed a wound care guy, so I had to take a, a a course on how to do wound vac. So that was probably my first wow. CU, um, which was cool. Uh, like I loved wound vacs. Uh, wound care was kind of <clears> interesting deal. Uh, a lot of burning stuff with silver nitrate, cutting stuff off. It was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I was. Wound care always gives me like my favorite story. I like okay. to tell right. students. Na- nastiest wound. Tell it now. Uh, yeah. Well, we can cover it on nightmare patients, but we had a okay. wound vac Save patient it. that. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I was not the main therapist, but it was like the first one we had. So I was like helping another guy, and uh, ended up. We didn't know like what we were looking at. Like it was a stomach wound. It's like what's uh. fascia, what's guts. Uh, turned out it was guts because they uh, ended up coming back with the wound vac full of poop because um, it 
created a DS3 vacuum. How are you holding up? I mean, you don't even like scary movies, let alone the real deal. Oh, um, man. You know, that, that's okay. I've got, uh, I'll, I'll let Casey continue. I've got a nasty room story. Yeah, so that one was gross. Uh, but that really wasn't mine. Probably the worst one I had was I had a patient's toe fall off on me. That was gross. Cause you like don't actually ex- fell off. Uh, like slid off the bone. I shouldn't be laughing. I'm sorry. This is like, that's like another level. That is don't, another level. Don't feel too bad. Cause like he was going, well, feel bad for him. He was going to get his like foot amputated, but like he was not a sanitary person. So the surgeon was like, Hey, can you do a whirlpool on him and like clean as much of the dead oh stuff my off God, there? Stop. So like, so when we get him into the, you know, OR, it's at least as clean as we can make it. So, you know, I throw him 20 minutes in the low boy or whatever. And I'm like, all right, you know, like, uh, go ahead and oh kick, kick your foot out. Like you can lay back down until surgery. So when he pulled his foot out, he nicked the edge of the low boy and his toe came off. And I was, and he was like, whoa, did I hit something? I was like, no, you're fine. Uh, I took that little mushy grape and I just, put it back on that little bone nub that was sitting off. All I was right. like, oh, Casey. Good enough. <clears throat> Casey. Yeah. Casey. Apologize to our listeners right now. Anybody, <laughs> anybody who this ate is, recently, if you ate in the last like, 30 minutes, um, you're going to have to put a disclaimer on the, on the intro of this one. Yeah, oh, so man. anyways, I mean, that stuff happens. I mean, it was all necrotic tissue. It was going to fall off, and I don't know. He didn't okay. feel it. He couldn't feel anything. So it was gross, but in the scheme of things, no harm, no yeah, problem. Yeah, you, you expedited the process for sure. <laughs> yeah, I was doing my own amputation. Oh, so oh. Yeah, that was the grossest one just because you don't expect that, I guess. Right. So, <clears throat> other CEU I had was cervical thoracic manipulation through AIM. That was great. John oh, Childs well, that's, had it. that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John Childs. Very, yep. I think you mentioned that before. Yep. Yeah. So one of my celebrity PT guys. So it was cool to have a classroom. Because I don't nice. know if he does much anymore in the way of teaching courses. Ah. I think he runs physical therapy, uh, is what he does now. So, yeah. Well, he just lifted the mood a little bit after that. Yeah, that was um, a great course. Yeah, you asked the question. I did. Yeah, and I'm regretting. You got any CEUs there? Yeah, I did. I had to back in those days. I think I mentioned this early on. We had to do a course of Ola Grimsby kind of manual care. But that was the approach. So before I could do anything else, I did all groups be like one and two, two, like one is just kind of like theory of histology and tissues and, and you know, healing processes, stages. And all groups be two was all spine. It was like a three day course, pretty long, pretty lengthy in depth. And then I also did in that first year from going like 12 month cycle, I squeezed in a Brian Mulligan course, which was a lot of fun, really entertaining one. Um, also learned a lot, came back, utilized the book and all the taping processes and, and uh, still use it every now and again. I still do some snags, still do some, some MWMs um, and like a lot of those processes and philosophies. We still so, teach that. We teach it to the students in musculoskeletal. I think there's, there's some value in getting people moving more comfortably by adding a mobilization with movement or a snag. I mean, they yeah, I love, the, I love the fact that you're actively engaging the patient for their, their control of it. I think that's a good piece of it. So it's I super easy to give of, as exercises too, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So back then, I mean, the Ola Grimsby stuff was nowhere near as robust as we have for internal CE operates now. I mean, I think we were doing that in strain counter strain. That was about all we were doing internally at the time. Mm. 
So that was it. Yeah. <clears throat> Jeremy, um, oh boy. Do you want to talk about a mentor? Do you want to tell about your worst wound story? Where do you want to take this? <laughs> you got about five. Oh, I can, I, I can, uh, I can, I can sidebar quick. Worst wound I saw. Uh, was, was Nicole Samuels doing any, uh, adjunct work for UST when you were there, Dolan? No. Um, so she was in Northwest, uh, Iowa and wound yep. care specialist. Still is, and, I think. And, uh, I think he's on, incidentally, Jeremy, she's on the Briarcliff board. So, oh, nice. Yeah, she was at Hag. It's no big deal. And, uh, it's no big deal. I mean, she spent her whole day doing wound care. I mean, people would travel for miles and miles to go see her. So we did like a one-day clinical with her. And there was a guy that had uh, no feeling in his legs, right? And he had stepped on a nail and had a nail like basically through his heel. Yeah. For I, I believe it was for a few weeks before he knew it was there. So just this monstrous tunnel and that thing. And, I mean, they were packing that wound and, and, uh, Gosh, if, if memory serves me correctly, like after all the bandaging and the wrapping that they did, they still put like a baby diaper over the outside of it because mm -hmm. it, was, it was weeping so much. I, I, I was like, I, I came away from that day and I was like, wow, I can, I can appreciate what you're doing, you know, to an immense degree, but I, that's not for me. So that's my little sign. That was a tough, hey, everybody. that was a tough one to see. I mean, we're talking, I mean, like you get a stuck in golf. I mean, I got to, I got to share mine now, right? Yeah, it's only such a wimpy one. I'm not even. I mean, it was it just stays out of my mind. Burns but cars. I mean, it was nasty appearance. The dude had been a motorcycle rider and um, was riding with shorts and kind of sustained a wipeout and went like his leg went under, and so he had some abrasions on like the lateral side of his leg. Which we were working on, and then in the medial compartment, the muffler landed on it, burned down to like the muscle tissue, the fascia, um, yeah. the gastroc. So that was, I mean, that was a very intriguing one. A lot of, you know, everything you guys talked about there, the small whirlpool agreements, some silvazine, some wrap, and away we went. So burns that was were the worst. worst. Burns were the worst. I, any other wounds, but burns were bad. They were in so yeah. much pain. I'm kind of, I, I do, like, I do have a tougher stomach than I'm faking out right now. I do kind of miss that line of work, honestly. I think it's, I think it's very meaningful. Yeah. I had one patient that I was way past my wrist in her stomach. That was crazy too. Just hacking <laughs> under, like she was big, she was big. So like you had to get all that, you know, undermining and it Anson, literally passed my wrist. Yeah. You are, you are an Eli Roth movie, bro. <laughs> yeah. You were like you like walking cabin fever. I, I passed out in my first orthopedic surgery. That was a scope. You did. You were serious. That's not a naked knee. It's still a famous story around these parts. Oh, good. All good, right. Good. Tell, us about, tell us about your mentor or mentors that you have. Oh, uh, you know, gonna, I mean. I'm going to go puke. <laughs> okay jeremy just went and puked like 30 seconds ago so um no i mean uh obviously nick you're one of my mentors especially Aww. right right away early on uh you know coming in i mean obviously you were a ci of mine and then uh until you wised up and you're like <laughs> some people no. are just lazy therapists but you know yeah. what i i talk about it too that it, it was like Obviously, it made a lot of sense because 
in terms of, I guess, treatment methodology, like our, I think our minds work a lot in the same way. So it was just easy to bounce back ideas off of each other. And, um, but I would st- still say, I mean, I think just the makeup of our clinic in general, when I first started, uh, helped me out a ton. Um, where even though there were some different thought processes in terms of tribes and things like that, where you would, you would like, and, and I, and I hope I told these people that enough where you'd look around and you can pick up things from, you know, even if you don't agree with everything, um, you know, it's kind of the, when you're a young therapist, like the beg, borrow and steal, like just, I tell our new therapists that all the time, like keep your antennas up in the gym. Like even when you're in a common treatment area, like obviously you want to be engaged and focused on your patient, but like observe how other people are responding to other things too. And it can be good and bad. Uh, there's just so much you can uh, suck up from that kind of a fly on the wall type of experience. Um, and uh, yeah, just a little, you know, again, not, not necessarily the whole treatment uh, methodology, but little stretches or different exercises that I'd seen that I go, yeah, maybe there's, maybe there's some value here. And, um, and I think that can help even without necessarily saying anything. I think it can help strengthen your team too, where when someone's like, Oh yeah, they're using, you know, something that I just used. And, um, and then you hope that that can lead to other conversations, just the kind of the old raising tides raises all boats, you know, uh, where you can kind of grow together. And when you have therapists that, you know, have been practicing as long as you've been alive, you'd go, you'd go like, you know, I think there's some, some things that I can learn from this person, even if I, even if I don't agree with everything. So there was probably a time where hot packs and cold packs and East Stem made a ton of sense, but I give credit anybody, anybody who's been in those boats, they had to evolve it though, right? To be where they're at eventually. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Casey. Yeah, uh, big mentor my first year was Google. Uh, checked out a, a lot of stuff. I mean, I was on an island half yeah. the time, you know, uh, Milner and Oaks, I was by myself. So, I mean, I'm not, not, even not too proud. Even Oaks, huh? Nobody yeah, was in Oaks. Tough. Yeah, just me. Um, so I'm not proud to say I kind of looked the crap out of stuff. I mean, I wasn't gonna just practice on my patients without some sort of guidance. So, I the internet was huge. Um, you know, when they hired me on, they hired one of my classmates on, and then they had hired a kid from the year before at UND the previous year as well. So there was three of us that were within two years out. So, I mean, again, we weren't great mentors, but like Jeremy said, we just, we figured stuff out and it was rural health. So we had time and we had a lot of flexibility. So uh, literally we would come in on each other's sessions sometimes and try to spitball back as we're like trying to figure out harder patients. It was almost like, a uh, grand rounds. We, we do it sometimes yeah. like, Hey, I'm struggling with this patient. Do you got an opening? Yeah. Like come on in and we shoot some ideas. We try some things with them. So that was cool. I, mm-hmm. I know not everywhere would ever have that. Like I would find a hard time to find that for my staff now, but like, it was just a cool opportunity and same with the, you know, in the hospital, like, man, let's chat about this and switch off and on on patients. And so that was cool. You know, we had yeah. one older therapist, but I mean, she was, she was nice, but definitely hot pack, cold pack, ultrasound, Ionto. Uh, she was a big uh, strain, counter strain person. That was kind of her solution to everything. So, 
Um, Do you think yeah. you would have been more prepared if you had gone to USD instead of UND? Hmm. Probably. My sources, my sources <laughs> say yes. I don't know. Uh, hey, really uh, quick though. We talked about this well. last week. So on that note, on that note, perfect say, maybe not a perfect say, but well, so, <clears throat> I'm curious to see how this brings you to your top five drums. No, I'm wondering what what year did you graduate from U- USC? What was like your UND graduate? UND, yeah, yeah, uh, 2010. Oh, you graduated 2010. So you would have been well. I was gonna say you guys would have almost been like cohorts. Mm-mm. No, no, no. He was finishing when I was starting. That would have yep. been neat. There would have still been fires still burning on campus, probably by the time we rolled in. <laughs> Well, <clears throat> my mentors were um, definitely Jason Banks. He's the guy who hired me, and he was an OCS down here. Um, managed the practice. We went and we coincidentally went on a lot of CDs together. He wasn't in, at the time with that Avera um, kind of not really a merger, but that contract agreement. Uh, he was very busy over at the hospital as far as on-site stuff went. So I really leaned heavily on Wayne Hennon, who was. Veteran therapist working, I could just still picture it working to my right. Nancy Blanchard was one working right to my left. Brad Rooney was shooting further over. And Nancy and Brad were both kind of veering, at the time they were veering more into postural restoration. So I was kind of interested in learning more about that. Um, but maybe not going as in depth as they were on that approach, but just understanding it a little bit more. Whereas Wayne was more Stanley Paris trained in manual therapy, um, had a lot of tools in his his bag of tricks on that. Um, but just even just treatment philosophies, I, I really lean on him a lot on how to progress patients and when to start incorporating stuff. So it was a good, valuable think tank. All of them had, I think, probably at least eight years of experience ahead of me. So just a great opportunity to kind of come in and, um, you know, help out and learn. That was, I mean, awesome, really blessed opportunity. It had to be more than eight, man. I'm thinking back. I don't want to age anybody too much. Um, but, yeah, well, you, I think you, eight, you graduated eight to ten. in 10. Didn't you graduate nine. in 10, too? No, I graduated oh, in 09. Nine? Um, okay. Oh, we were yeah. so close. So you we guys were cohort. We could have been cohorts. We could have been cohorts. Yeah. <laughs> Come on <laughs> down. You should it could have been. been. I could have been your I could have been, been back-to-back back students of the year, or whatever you guys call it at USD. Clinician of the year, but... whatever. Yeah. <laughs> don't be, don't be smirched the good name of that award. I won't. Yep, yep, yep. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I, I get I'm, it. feel like I'm a coyote nowadays. Yeah. You should. Lots to cheer on. But yeah, it was a good opportunity. So yeah, I mean, I think, I think eight. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Jeremy. I'm just maybe I'm trying to be friendly and nice on some of the ages. Yeah. Uh, definitely Wayne. I think Wayne would have been out in about 15 years yeah. ahead of me at the time. Um, yeah. But yeah, a lot of good opportunity there. And uh, yeah, life was pretty good. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's a yeah. fun first so, year. Feels like forever ago. Should we save? What do you guys Gosh, think? It does we, feel it. Or should we? We've kind of gone on. Should we? Should we go to our top five? Let's move on to top five, 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 five. Top five, 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 five. five, five, five. five. So that's cool. We, we I can save clip that. Yeah, five, five. All right. <clears throat> Voice of God, Taylor Hawkins. May he rest in peace. Uh, sad news. I found out. I dozed off Friday shortly after our podcast cutting, and then woke up about an hour later and. Uh, 
checked my phone and it was all over the, like the news feeds. I saw Foo Fighters. Actually, the first thing that came up was Foo Fighters post on it. And I'm like, what? Kind of like, I think I said it out loud. We're, we have tickets to see them in August. So I'm kind of, you know, bumming about wow. that. I'm not being selfish like, oh, you know, like that. But I would have liked to see the whole band, it's, you know, its entirety. And, yeah. um, As a guy yeah. who's seen them live, yeah, they... Dave Grohl and him played off of each other very well. They did a lot of back and forth, and they'd switch drums and vocals and things on songs. So, yeah. So to keep it in in my opinion, I wanted to you know we talked about it. And we, you know anybody who listened to last week's episode, we had an hour and thirty three plus minutes of top five. That it's might have been a long. It was. It was. <laughs> hopefully, people were interested in cinema. And, <laughs> And breaking down expectations. They're, they're dumber about cinema now, anyways. I guess if nothing else. <laughs> so I, I took it, especially since I'm the one knocking Darren Aronofsky and like Richard Kelly. They're like, <laughs> you Joe Schmo. But um, I just took, I went through and we all approach it too. And I'll let you guys kind of like Casey kick it off here. Maybe said or, or Jeremy. No, Casey. Casey. Don't matter. Yeah. Casey's going to kick it off. Jeremy I like go, to go first. Yep. And then, um, yeah, we'll just kind of get through it. No honorable mentions anymore, listeners. We're just keeping it. If you got it, we're keeping it down and dirty. You got to be good enough to down and dirty. Like five. most of these drummers on my list, they're keeping it tight. No, oh, I like it. All right, well, take us away with number five. Number Mr. drama, five. Mr. Drama Queen. <laughs> it's less less fun on uh, drama here. Uh, my first drummer on my list. Uh, he. You know, I had a hard time putting him higher. I wanted to put him higher, but at the same time, I feel like he is the third percussionist in the band. So sometimes I don't always know like how much of it is just his awesome drumming and how much is it like two other dudes playing like steel drums in the background. So uh, my number five is Joy Jordison. Rest in peace. Uh, just a ferocious drummer. Uh, some of those songs are just intense. Sulfur, people equal shit. I mean... That's just constant music. Dude was dude was awesome. Uh, songs like Wait and Bleed, he was able to switch it up pretty quick. Uh, just uh, I, He was really the basis of that sound of that band. You know, um, they, they have an awesome drummer replaced him, um, Max Weinstein's son. Uh, so, oh, yeah? Really? Yeah, Jay Weinstein, yep, yep. He's their new drummer now. So, I mean, he's awesome, too. Uh, nothing to take away from him. But, you know, Joey Jordanson wrote a lot of their early stuff with him, mm-hmm. too. I mean, he was just a big part of that band. So, yeah. he was even more than a drummer. So, like I said, uh, sometimes it's just a wall of music with Slipknot, though. So, it, you don't pick him up quite as much. But every Slipknot yeah, song... Every Slipknot song, though, they, you kind of know the drums to it. So, yeah. man, uh, my number five. Yeah, Psychosocial, great example, too. All right, Jeremy, number five. Yeah, uh, my number five is Questlove uh, from The oh, Roots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, so I had, to, I had to somehow get my, uh, I mean, what do you say, hip-hop, R&B, kind of neo-funk, type stuff mm-hmm. uh man he's he's just got a good vibe to him is so. your list gonna be all dad grooves is that yeah what it is? probably okay <laughs> <laughs> just curious i assume nick was all hair metal so i'm excited it probably will be we we don't know yet <laughs> you don't know yet <laughs> nick assured me it would not all be hair metal <laughs> Ricky rocket poison <laughs> 
So it, it's like, it's, it's tough too, because I'm like, you know, in the whole list, right? Like you go from like a technical side or just like music you enjoy. Uh, so I kind of try to get a combination of both, but uh, yeah, that's my number five is Quest Love. Yeah. <clears throat> I definitely, I tell Casey before this, I tried to keep mine just emotionally charged, like my favorite ones, not trying mm-hmm. to, you know, like I have no jazz on here. I know there's a lot of influential jazz drummers and blues drummers, but. I'm kicking it off Dave Grohl right away from his time primarily in Nirvana. He obviously spent some time in Queens Stone Age. Um, I'm going to rattle off a couple of songs. Breed, In Bloom, Setless Apprentice. Um, drumming's just so tight. Fast. Fast women called for it. Um, going back and re-listening to some stuff over the last few days, like the the, te- the tempo changes in like Lithium and Come As You Are are all driven by his drumming. You know, where it starts out very melodic and then with ratches it up to the chorus it's all just his drumming that drives that extremely talented individual obviously but um you know an amazing drummer in his own right and continues to dr- i mean i could have added in some of his work in tenacious d as well he's just very very uh, <laughs> i mean i know we're laughing but if you think music I love lyrically, tenacious yeah, d. it's all a joke but like no <clears throat> no no lyrically no, you're right. tight Lyr- i mean he just lays down tight beats on everything he does i mean he doesn't half-ass any song on drums he's ever done no and, and was it was a color of the shape before t- so taylor i think taylor hawkins joined them after the recording of color of the shape right yeah so everlong was he did the drumming on everlong yeah because because yeah. he he booted the other dude he was just yeah. like this isn't this isn't working and it, I, I'm I, care, I care too much about this band to like have it suck so <clears throat> really cool stuff that's my number five dave roll all right, yeah, I, no complaints there. Uh, my number five, or my number four, sorry. <laughs> I like to do um, numbers. Number I was five, told we weren't going to do honorable B, mentions, so I picked six fives. Uh, no, my number four, <laughs> which, again, I, I should say on this list, uh, a caveat, I'm not like a music guy, not a drummer at all, so bear with me. I assume this person would probably be even, even higher on my list if I knew anything about the drums. Um, but I just like what I hear. Uh, so my number mm-hmm. four is John Bonham. Uh, dude okay. was yeah. Led Zeppelin, just a killer drummer, probably changed really how rock and roll did the drums. Uh, he way fuller sound. Um, what little I do know of drums. He was cool. Cause he added a lot of fill, you know, just yeah. odd, odd beats here and there and just created a strong song. I mean, when you listen to things, good times, bad times, black dog, yeah. When the levee breaks, I mean that's like just a yeah. monster drum song. Well, I'd say like you know, Cashmere is known for that riff. I mean, I mean, obviously, it's tough when you got a legendary Jimmy Page, right? Yeah, and, and I was and, I was thinking too. That's probably why he's not higher on my list, is because he's in a band where literally every single person in the band is one of the best people in the world at what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, like in a lot of like. In a lot of circles, he's like a consensus number one guy. Like he's yep, yep. super yeah. talented. Dude. Yeah, it seems like him and so, Keith Moon were always yeah. pretty high on both. There, there, there are some like there are some videos you can watch where like dude just straight up just rips like a fifteen minute drum solo and mm-hmm. it's just yeah. just crazy technical and insane. I mean like yeah, I mean 
He's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He just created a full sound at a time when drums was <laughs> keeping time. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he just changed how the whole thing was done. You know, like I said, Keith Moon on the other end, he brought the ferocity that probably wasn't yeah. there before, but John yeah. Bottom just brought the technical skill and how to fill a song completely with sound. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, good call. So good I, I can't, uh, for my number four, uh, I, I don't know that I could add anything that you didn't make, but it was Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I, I've got a feeling there's going to be a little bit of overlap in these, <laughs> in these lists. Uh, yeah. And, and I, like you said, like, you know, whether you come at it from a, a technical sound or, or where just where you were when the music came out, I mean, like, yeah. obviously he's that matters, up right. there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's always obviously going to be that emotional connection or whatever whatever totally. the song is or, or the band too. So yeah, they've grown my number four. You know, there's one, one note I didn't look at when I was talking about them too. Um, like <clears throat> I also wrote down on MTV Unplugged in New York when they did Lake of Fire and Off Lane. Ooh, like, yeah. Yeah, his drums kind of drive that I mean, acoustic session is so rad. It's just like, it's, it's so good to go back and it just shows again the, the eclectic nature of his, his abilities. You know? Yeah, and he yeah. had to pick up Lake a lot of fire of Kurt Cobain's uh, difficulties on that unplugged session yeah. too. I mean, Kurt, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's always going off key and yeah, you know, he's, he was making a ton of mistakes and yeah, yeah. I, Dave Grohl made that thing sound awesome. Still yeah. one of my favorite unplugs. Oh, so fantastic. Um, good call, Jeremy. My my number four is probably the most. If you go through my list, well, I guess I'm, I'm not too diverse here, but I'm going with Chad Smith from Red Hot Chili Peppers. I um, like that. Key songs here. Give it away. I mean, give it away. I mean, it's so driven by the drums, probably out of all of them. But you know, the tempo with "Suck My Kiss," dark newer versions like "Dark Necessities," "We Turn Red," "Goodbye Angels," um, "Rain Dance," "Maggie." I mean, all those just they're such a legendary band. He plays off a of flea so well. That's what I noticed too when I thought about him more. You know, in my, in my opinion, Such flea, a good might be, flea might be my favorite bassist of all time. Probably and, top five. Um, and they're they're like, like, that's yeah. so cohesive too. Yeah, bass they make and drums. That, they've been there. They've been there. It's crazy to think they've been together for like thirty some odd years. You know, and <laughs> and you can hear it. Like they even got new stuff now that just sounds really cool. Um, Hats off to Anthony Kiedis. He's still trying something different, you know, with his vocal ranges and sensibilities too. So, I mean, they're always trying something different and reinventing themselves a little bit. But um, I think he's super talented and crazy overlooked just because he looks like Will Ferrell. <laughs> Agreed. That is holding yeah. him back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but they've had some fun with that too. I think it's been really cool. No, but I mean, you talk about like, yeah, we don't have maybe jazz and funk, you know, type drummers on here. But I mean, Chili Peppers, man. They made that rock and roll. I mean, they, of, yeah, yeah. They, they blended it better than anybody I can think of. And I agree. He's, he's a big part of that, if not the biggest part of that. So, yeah, I, I totally like when I went back and re listened to like, I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to put Chad Smith on here. And I went back and listened to some of the songs again and listened to Give It Away. And I'm like, that whole song, that was Blood Trigger Sex hit. Magic, that whole album. Amazing. It, it yeah. is. It is ridiculous. I'm um, not a big Chili Peppers guy, but that album. There's not a bad song on there. I, I am. I I do happen to be a Chili's guy, but that agreed. Amazing album and Give It Away is so driven by his drum. Give it away. Like, you know, and, and mm-hmm. it's it's so good. So that's my number four, Chad Smith. Yep. 
Can't complain. My number three, uh, I feel like this guy came into a band that was on the verge, but when they brought this guy on, he blew him wide open to become one of the biggest bands of the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, still busting out drum beats, reinvented himself. Now he's like a hip hop drummer. Uh, my number three, Travis Barker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just that Enema of the States album was, it was pop punk. Like you'd never heard it before. I mean, he, he took yeah. what people they were trying to do and he made that sound just full tight. You know, that was the thing is before that, all that pop punk music was still that eighties punk where it was just feverish and not put together. Yeah. And he was able to 90 play second burners. Yeah. Yeah. He was able to play fast, but kept it going and kept it tight the whole time. And he was able to just keep a consistent sound mm -hmm. from all their songs. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just mush, you know, you could put light hearted vocals yeah. against how he drummed and it just sounded awesome. And I mean, like I said, the guy's timeless now. I mean, all the hip hop artists want him now, you mm -hmm. know, he's replacing drum machines, you know, which is kind of crazy. And that's cool. music. So, um, he's been through a lot of stuff, been in a million bands. I mean, he survived death. <laughs> yeah, know, he so He's a know. Kardashian now, isn't he? I don't even know, uh, to tell you the truth. Okay. I think I think he's connected with that family in some way now. He was on, I know he was with somebody famous a while back. I can't remember. Well, he was dating a gal that was Playboy model, porn star for a long time. Wasn't that like his first wife? Uh, oh, wow. But anyways, yeah, bangers from him. First date, I miss you. Uh, you know, I miss you yeah. wasn't his classic banger, but that drums he plays in there makes that song. I mean, that's just he, that is that he song. He didn't join him till he didn't join him until Enema of the State, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. They fire well. Dude, Dude Ranch. Dude Ranch is good, but it's you're right. It sounds different. It's a very it sounds different. different. Yep. Out. It it sounds more like I said, chaotic, more erratic, more of that classic. Yep garage punk sound and when he came on i don't know whatever it was it, it seemed to be the missing piece of their formula because they went on to i think they all played better after that for some reason maybe he just yeah. elevated everybody else too which is another and, thing I mean, said. yeah he's been with a lot of bands and put out some pretty good music so adam yeah. song do 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 that's more bass again yeah. but... <clears throat> he's still yeah so that's yeah, my number three there. travis barker nice j-bone Man, like I said, uh, like my timing sucks on this. That's also my number three. Um, man, some of the some of the stuff I just looked it up. It's Courtney Kardashian. Uh, I thought he had some connection to to the Kardashian family. Look at you. Um, so he's probably gonna fall off soon. Uh, <laughs> Jeremy Doubles. That's, 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 that's what happens to all the athletes, anyways. <laughs> uh, he survived the plane some, crash. He can survive her. There were some crazy, like late. The uh, 2000s, early 2010s, like there were some crazy YouTube videos, just like from a technical standpoint. Like they would they would throw on like a random rap song or whatever it was, and they just show him with that in his headphones, and then he would just play drums over the top of it. And man, he's just crazy talented. I mean, I would say like again, this like this hits my list more from a a, a technical standpoint versus like a Love for Blink One Eighty Two. Um, that wasn't my jam, uh, but uh, man, he's just a crazy talented drummer. Like, like you said, like dude's replacing drum machines. <laughs> like, yeah. When you're like, hey, this this guy is like better than AI. <laughs> like, this yeah. is that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty that's wild. He can thing. go into a studio with a rapper and just lay a fat beat down on the drums and 
keep yeah, it consistent yeah. the whole time. You know. Well, and you, you would say like this. This I would go back to like even what you're talking about, Dave Grohl with the with Nirvana too. It's like that that uh, that ability to flow too, right? Like if somebody's offbeat, if somebody changes the tempo on something, but the ability to still and I would say bass has that same effect too, mm-hmm. but still that same ability to kind of keep things on track or or flow with it so it's not just sounding like this big you know f up and and uh yeah and he had to do that quite a bit with blink early on if you watch their concerts from like 99 2000 uh tom and mark they mess up a lot on guitar like yeah they you know they were writing harder songs than they could perform live (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, and they didn't make yeah. it. They'd mess up and be we like, "Shouldn't have win so hard in the yeah, room. They're like, "I'm sorry, you know, this is really hard, you know." But he just played yeah. with them, you know, and he kept it tight the whole time. And yeah. So definitely. like Nick said, he, you know, I'm sure he elevated those guys because it's like yeah. we can do this, guys. You know. Yeah, kind of bit like you guys said, bailed them out when they needed it, and that's a yeah. big piece. Yeah, live. Good choice, yeah, guys. <clears throat> Good choice. Um, my number three. Um, kind of a dual band guy, Matt Cameron from um, Soundgarden and Pearl Jam fame. Um, so when you put those collective things together, it's mm-hmm. it's really incredible. Um, the you know the collective talent that he was around, but his own abilities to play. Um, very first song that came to my mind, Spoonman by Soundgarden. I think he just dominates that that whole song, which is um, one of my favorite grunge metal songs of all time but also in, in more of the Pearl Jam songs like Mind Your Manners and Life Wasted. Uh, I'm not, I don't recall exactly when he joined them. I want to say it was late 90s, um, somewhere around late 90s, early 2000s, but um, he's definitely there for like their resurgence in 06 and beyond to this day. So be um, part of that up-tempo stuff. But I mean, Soundgarden was amazing. I think they're like, sadly forgotten about in some ways. I think you hear... You hear Black Hole Sun on commercial radio yet, but otherwise, mm. so many of their their real bangers are forgotten about. And like another one would be Rusty Cage. Like, I mean, that's just just so up tempo. He he sets the tone. I mean, the guitar, the opening guitarist is obviously pretty famous, but then after that, to carry it the rest of the way through the song, um, just phenomenal. And again, to do it in two fairly legendary bands, in my opinion, I think. I had to put him up there. So that's my number three, Matt Cameron. Yeah, I think he gets overshadowed by vocal and guitar in that band. You know, you're in your room. Like, I don't know where better sins as far as vocalists go. He's definitely, you know, he, but Cornell definitely, right? But yeah. as far as songwriting, <clears throat> stage presence, better just dominates everything. Oh, and, agreed. And the longer these bands can last, the more they just, you look at them and they're like almost a super group because they have branches off in other bands and, and held yeah, there. The ones that survive. Yeah, but <clears throat> definitely ultra, ultra talented guy. Yeah, I yeah, I love the bands. Like I said, dude, sometimes I feel like the drums get second fiddle on those bands, but yeah. it's good to recognize it. <laughs> yeah. yeah my number two uh has been mentioned before so i'll just get into it dave Grohl's my number two um yeah. probably just based on i mean I, he's an awesome drummer but i just love like the songs he does are awesome i just love him as uh as drummer his personality is awesome i think he stands for everything rock and roll is and you know he's 
friendly guy. It seems like everybody likes him. Not that that's why I should make the list, but you know, he's, he's all these pieces that become this awesome sum. Um, so anytime he does something, I'm going to watch it. You know, you guys didn't mention it, but, um, them crooked vultures, you know, he the drummer on that band and that album is, um, so that's a, seems like a forgotten album for people. And uh, his drumming on that is just phenomenal. I mean, it, Sounds like John Bonham on there, you know, because I got the basis from Led Zeppelin, yeah. John Paul Jones. And uh, yeah, he just, that album alone puts him up there. If you guys haven't sat through and listened to that, gotcha. the, the drumming's just I, phenomenal on there. I have to go check it out. And oh, you made yeah. that argument too, where you're like, if he, if he can kind of fill those shoes. And then, I, I mean, I don't know that we, maybe we mentioned it too, but like his versatility too, to not just be this crazy talented drummer, but like now I'm like, the front man for for one of the most successful bands of all time like that's that's dude's, pretty versatile dude's rock and roll for you know yeah. and when and when they played at uh was it wimbledon when uh jimmy page came out and he played the drums okay, and they yeah. did those zeppelin songs and i believe taylor hawkins sang um, yeah, oh yeah 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 they did those zeppelins that was cool that was like shivers i mean that yeah. was john paul jones jimmy page and him on drums and it just sounded awesome yeah. Taylor Hawkins sounded good too. You know, Robert Plant's could, not easy to emulate. And they nope. could they could change of genres though. We haven't mentioned that. I mean, their their cover last year of the Bee Gees, the DGs. <laughs> I mean, him and Taylor both changed off on vocals on there, but um, that's that's not their wheelhouse, right? But yet it yeah. sounds really cool. It, it kind of fits. Um, they make it they make it work. So yeah. So yeah, not not the most technical guy on my list. But <laughs> I, just, I just respect the hell out of him. So he makes my number two. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. Uh, my uh, my my number two has been mentioned too. It was Bonham, uh, and okay. uh, man, he's good. <laughs> he's good. Oh yeah, like I don't know how much. I like I don't know how many different ways we could say it. Um, yeah. but um, uh, yeah, that whole band obviously super talented. Um, and that's super great like, without being a super. It, group. I, I mean, it really is. <laughs> yeah. You it is. would almost it expect is. it's like it's these guys that, that are like highlighted in different bands that, you know, they you come together and he's so good. Um, I, I can't say like, I like was a big, like Zeppelin fan. Like that's like, all I'm going to listen to, but, uh, you just have to respect that skill. So that's my number two. Yeah. Just, they just didn't have a lot of bad songs. I mean, it's pretty no. short, pretty short career, all things considered. Yeah, unfortunately. Wise, but yeah. I mean, how many do they have? Five or six? It lends up one, two, three, four. Yeah. Houses of the Holy. And Jeremy will produce it. But yeah, five Jeremy. or six. I mean, it was it was a pretty peak, peak Zeppelin. Yeah. Short, short career, but like I said, and some of those albums were, you know, seven, eight songs. I mean, there were yeah, wasn't much to them, but that's just how they did things back then. You know, 30, yeah. 34 minutes to an album. Yeah. Two sides, you know, re- recording yeah. studios and things. You just didn't have the time and the money to record these monster albums like they do now. But. Yeah, eight, eight, eight studio albums. Okay, well, how many? Compl- how, how many was Bonham on? Ooh, gosh, when did he? Nineteen eighty. Like thirty-two. All right, I think it was um, Yeah, so that would have been six, seven. Okay. Yeah, okay. oh, maybe eight, maybe eight. Regardless, yeah, eight? um, yeah, this is a great choice. I I can't complain. Yeah. He was 
I can't argue that one, guys. He, he, I'll be honest, he wasn't on my list. He was on my sidebar. Uh, Don't talk about but him. We're though. not going into that. <laughs> my number two, <clears throat> my number two was a guy. If I go back like 15 years ago, I grew up with this music, and I didn't know how much I really, really respected him and, and loved it. But it's Neil Peart from Rush. Um, yeah. Now, obviously, he's he sadly passed away a couple of years ago, and, and he's got tons and tons of accolades now. I mean, everybody kind of professes how precise how, yeah, he's probably the most precise drummer of all time. He's up there. But yeah. Another super powerful trio. I mean, you can say what you want about Getty's voice, I suppose, but you know, <laughs> Alex Lifeson's amazing guitarist too. And for that time period, from like the mid '70s into the mid 1980s. Um, just truly remarkable body of work. Everything from like the Moving Pictures album, Permanent Waves. Um, I mean, he's just, he's really, really fantastic. Again, I grew up, that was the music of like any blue collar job you grew up with in, in like Harrington. It was just classic rock. And, and I had a buddy whose dad was a big fan of Rush as well. Had some cassette tapes that, you know, he would just be playing in the house when we over it. And, you know, so it just permeates into your being. And as you get older, I remember watching this documentary probably. 12 or 13 years ago on Rush and just hearing hearing different people is very um, kind of niche at the time but these guys yeah. in music just praising Neil Parrott and they're like oh my god and I think Dave Grohl is one of them like, oh Neil's like best best drummer but I played he, he made me I pale in comparison and all that stuff and um, I went back and I had to reintroduce myself I'm like dang right I mean they, you know they're preaching so Amazing guy. Um, another guy who sadly uh, passed on the list, but my number two, Neil Peart from Rush. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not a Rush guy. I'm not really a prog rock guy. Um, but I almost felt like I had to put him on my list, even though I never listened to him. Just you know, right. I, I, yeah. I'm familiar with you know his body of work, and I've listened yeah. to the songs, and every time I, I go, wow, that's really good. But I, you know, yeah. like I said, keep it emotionally charged. It just he wasn't a big enough part of me to put him on my list, but I can totally sure. respect yep. his skill. Um, yeah. Prog rock is something you gotta, you gotta have the time for, right? I mean, it's, it's like a podcast almost. It's telling a story and you gotta listen and start from finish. Like 2012, yeah, that, it, I think that was us meddling might. last week. We were jamming. Yeah. For hours. <laughs> yeah. That was our, that was our progressive. <laughs> yeah. That was our prog <laughs> our progressive podcast. Pod. But yeah. Um, 2112 is an amazing, I think it's kind of considered the, the kind of preeminent prog album, really. Um, you know, it gets very scattered, but his his work on the drums is amazing. It carries, because there's a lot of instrumentals on there. All right, Case. My number one, so after I just After I just got done saying I don't like prog rock, uh, my, drummer, oh. my number one drummer is, I would say, oh. um, one of the most popular current prog rock bands of all time. This dude feels like he's got about eight arms. Uh, he can travel Baby. the course of a drum set in about a second. Um, talk about bands that do timing changes, and this guy follows, you know, he's the heart of them. Uh, it's Danny Carey from Tool. Uh, Ooh. 46 and 2, Ticks and Leeches, Lateralus, Parabola. I mean, you could go on and on. Uh, plus, their songs are like 12 minutes, and he has to drum that whole time, so... Yeah, I just <laughs> yeah. I can't say enough about him. I mean, you watch watch his videos, watch him play. I mean, he's just phenomenal. And like I said, his yeah. ability to keep up with the uh, complex nature of all those tool songs they play is just, yeah, it's amazing. I, I've always loved him. 
uh, since opiate. I mean, it, even their early stuff, you know, he just is phenomenal. I, I don't know what else to say. He's my favorite drummer. Um, on most tool tracks, that's what I think of is the drum. So, okay. But there's no bass. I always think of tool. I, I, I get your, your great choice. Great choice. And he's super talented. Um, I, every time I think of tool, I think of bass. Hmm. I think they're just so. And, and bass then, heavy, huh? Yeah. Well, maybe I just always go back to, you know, songs like Sober. Mm. Um, you know, track like that on a whole other yeah. album. But. Yeah, Schism, I guess. I mean, you know, there's some of the songs, but yeah, you listen to, yeah, like Ticks and Leeches, like I said, 46 and 2 has some killer yeah. drums in it. I love it. I do love that you called yourself out on saying you don't like prog rock and then your number one drummer is a prog rock drummer. Yeah. Well, what can I say? <laughs> they you tell gotta, stories, man. They're telling stories. Out, you got to go out of your comfort zone once in a while. Yeah, yeah, Tool, I hate it. Like when Tool first came out, you know, MTV. My brother was big into Tool, and I hated them mostly because of their music videos. Remember the music? Yeah, all of them oh. were like claymation, and yeah. they did the super fast speed thing that just Jeremy would hated it. Jeremy would have nightmares. You would have vomited, probably. Yeah. So you it know, took me a few years to get over that. I think like when Schism came out, then I kind of went back and really got. Yeah, I think all Tool. I think all Tool songs sound the same. Whoa! I, I don't dis- I actually don't disagree with you. I think. I, think I mean, like they disagree. I, I like they're just very, very. I mean, niche. I would say they're yeah. formulaic. You're not wrong. <laughs> formulaic. I, mean, I like that. They literally <laughs> sit down and you know take a whiteboard and write the song down. You know, I mean, before yeah. anybody even touches an instrument, you know, they map yeah. out the song. So you're you're not wrong. There's a formula there, and they know yeah. it works. But yeah, yeah, they're talented. I mean, I, I give them credit where the credits due, and. Um, Maynard, Maynard's an awesome frontman too. Good leader of the band and owns his own winery. Yeah, he's just a weird dude though. Like, I hate that he like sits in the back and sings, but yeah, yeah, cool. I I love his voice, but I don't like his stage presence very much. But okay, I've never seen him live. My brother-in-law is a huge fan of Tool, massive Tool fan. So. Yeah, Tool's kind of like uh, Grateful Dead or Dave Matthews. I mean, the people that love them are just follow. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 To the death. No, no other (laughs) band is anywhere near as good. So like Tool, Tool's gonna be in town eighteen months. I got tickets. Yeah. No, I I like Tool, but I'm definitely more. He's got a sticker on his truck, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, My my (laughs) brother-in-law. The ranch. He's got the ranch. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, it's just you got I like it at Christmas. Yeah. That was great. Any of their <laughs> songs that are eight minutes or less is kind of what I stick to. So. It's your tool. That's All my right. number one, Jeremy. Awesome, Jeremy. What's your number one? <laughs> um, again, I I know you guys said you you guys stayed away from jazz, but uh, Buddy Rich, man, okay. yeah. if you have not seen this dude drum, look him up, man. Like okay. his, I mean, like his hands just flow. And I mean, like, I would say you get some of that still from like Travis Barker too. And I'm sure like in the right movement, like any of these guys could do it. But, uh, man, he just, man, he ripped out some crazy drum solos. Um, born in like, I think he was born before 1920, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so it was through a lot of like kind of big band stuff, like Dean Martin Rat Pack type stuff, uh, mm-hmm. just like kind of old school big band leader. So 
I'm telling you, look it up. And from a yeah. from a, a drum skill standpoint, especially in his time, like he was like a swan. So <laughs> yeah, not seen it come up many many times. I'm gonna check it out for sure. Yeah, I can't say I'm familiar with him, but yeah, yeah. awesome man. Way to go. Way to way way to make a stretch. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, oh, cool. oh, oh, maybe somebody will learn before, something. You're gonna change it. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait. Oh no. It's I Ringo, really Ringo Star. I'm changing it to Ringo Star. No, you <laughs> forgot about my absolute number one. <laughs> Those were all honorable mentions. Surprise! Needed, Here's my actual top. You guys <laughs> to know. Okay, it's eighteen hundred and twenty-six miles from Turks and Caicos to Green Bay. I was not. Yeah, you were oh, within a tank of gas. Doesn't matter. Flies. Yep. Give me my hand. Give me a boat. I had to get awesome. that out there. Eighteen hundred. Eighteen hundred twenty-four. Eighteen twenty-six. Plus, All right. Dolan, good. number one, 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 one. All right, my number one. Uh, <laughs> honestly, this, this is when I have my five and I'm like shuffling the deck and I'm like, all right, if I'm being intellectually honest with myself, who do I truly believe in? It's Lars Ulrich. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, he was the, the He's my honorable mention. Yeah. If you go to the whole Injustice for All album, which is famously like base deprived because of Lars. Yeah. Um, you know, he's got an ego and he, he didn't like Jason there's that right away. But I mean, and justice for all there are, I mean, and he said it himself like that, they had to change what they did to make the black album because he just couldn't keep going with that. Anymore. It was like, so yeah. it was their one progressive album and there's so many tempo changes. And I mean, Good. just a, just a crap harvester of sorrow. Ridiculous. Right. One. When when that song finally hits its crescendo, he is the driving force of that one's double double kick, and it still gives me chills. Like if if I'm listening to that in the right mood, when it starts like and he, to replicate like machine gun fire that he does with the drums it, is absolutely nuts. So I mean, it, it can, you can call it schlocky now because it's been out there for thirty some years, but amazing. And then more contemporary cyanide and off their uh, most most recent album spit out the bone go back and if you listen to spit out the bone just listen if you don't even want to listen to the whole thing it's an amazing song but listen to the first one minute of that track and you will you will be like oh my gosh how is this guy in his 50s still written like this it's it's truly remarkable and impressive um so in my fully honest take Mars Ulrich is my number yeah, I thought about uh he definitely made my short list as well. I think there was just uh you know, as as time's gone on, I felt like his drumming is you know, like you said, he just feels like he can't keep up to it. And I mean there's songs he can't even play live anymore. But uh, you know, there was there was other stuff around him too. It soured me on him a little bit, the whole Napster thing always Napster, ruined it for me. Yeah. yeah, I've came back around on that. I mean I yeah, man I was, trying to make his money, I get it, but I was actually, I went through a real anti-Metallica phase for about three or four years there because of that really? master deal. Well, I just think, I, I, and every time they came on the news or every time they were on some interview show, I didn't think they helped their cause. I think they no, came he looked just You guys never heard of LimeWire? <laughs> I don't think they were fans of that. We were talking Napster. You didn't need Napster? Get LimeWire. No, yeah, that's where I got all, that. got all my viruses <laughs> from LimeWire. I had, I had, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 
<laughs> that's uh, uh no, he's right. He is right up there, man. Uh, so good. He's so good. Okay, right. like, I'm gonna see if I can play this snippet. This is just. I want to see if this works on the oh, pod. Oh, gonna get me kicked off. Of <laughs> he's gonna sue yeah, you. you're gonna hate Metallica again. <laughs> they sue us. Hard to hear. Doesn't come across. Everybody, go go watch it. All right, go check it out. Turn off the Use ball your Google machine. On hardware. Oh, I, did, I did play the. I played the first part of that this morning. Oh, uh, it's it's. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we uh, that's that's top fives. We did it. We did it. We did it. Ninety minutes. We done. We done did it. I'm right on time. What? <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what saved us though. I think was that, like. This wasn't a super broad topic. Uh, you know, when you get into, you know, cinema, there's a lot of different ways you can go. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and here, I think there's just, like, some guys that really, really stick out, you know, in terms of their skill set. Um, well, I had some unique guys that, like, I had, um, like, Dave Lombardo, obviously, from Slayers. Not unique, right? Are you and, doing honorable mentions, Nick? I'm not doing honorable <laughs> mentions. <laughs> but... When people talk about precision and technique, I've also heard like Phil. But if I were to, this is what it would yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was surprised nobody had Phil. Nobody, none of you guys did Phil. Phil Collins. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Collins. I said Phil Rudd from ACDC. He's I considered Nick for like, sure. We Phil knew Collins there was going to be hair bands in there. Not as a drummer, but as a singer-songwriter, Casey. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you weren't a Tommy guy drumming upside down. I thought you would have loved that. He's in my audible. He's in my yeah. HMs, but we're not supposed to talk about that. Well, we finished yeah. in time. We have we extra kept it now. tight. Yeah, like yeah. I mean, this is like the aftertakes. Yeah, I. Uh, Do we give well, everybody another ninety minutes of jabber? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you can stop watching if you want to know what the official episode was like. No, I. Uh, yeah, there was there were some good drummers on there. I had uh, Terry Bozio. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. Is He's that... a dude who's got like the world's biggest drum set. He, he used oh, to drum for like Frank Zappa. Uh, He's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, and he does a ton of like how to drum videos that are pretty cool. I kind of went down that yeah. rabbit hole because I don't know how to drum. Mm -hmm. So just like <laughs> watching him do these techniques so effortlessly, where like I couldn't even see the drumstick. You know, I'm mm -hmm. like, how does he like and just how he could make different sounds and yeah, Terry Bozio. Yeah, go look him up. He's got a cool drum kit. Yeah, and some of the stuff <laughs> yeah. he did. You know, Frank Zappa was so out there. Like some of the stuff they did was just cool. I don't know. Yeah, I had Joey Jordan in mind. I'm, I'm trying to look at where we overlapped and I didn't mention it, but like, I mean, we kind of covered a lot of that territory. I did. I had made white in there. I think that, mm. I think a lot of her drumming drove some of those preeminent white stripe songs. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah. She's on a lot of lists too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, she's yeah. When you think of icky thumb, I mean, that that's probably my favorite white stripe song and she yeah. drives that one, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, well, we'll, have to figure out, we'll have to figure out something fun um, that's hopefully not correlated with a recent passing of a legend. So yeah, yeah, I'm still waiting for like the inventor of Doritos to die, Nick. I still want to do top five chips. You refuse do to do that. <laughs> <laughs> top, top five Doritos next week. No, no, top five chips. There's... Oh, you guys can't do top five. You, chips you, Jeremy you just come said out here. you can't. You can't keep it too broad. I mean, unless chips. unless you come out to to uh, Montague, Michigan, and get some La Fiestas, what? You're not about, you're not about to have this chip thought. Where do you where do y'all sit on talkies? 
Because the kids love uh, talkies. I've never tried talkies. talkies. I don't know. I, they're okay, I guess. Um, they remind me back when Doritos used to have like roll ups. You guys remember like those Doritos? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Similar. K- Casey, are you a hot chip guy? Um, Spicy? No, I, I don't hate them, but I'm not going to do like a ghost pepper chip or anything. I, oh, I want, okay. I want a, good. I want a chip I can eat, trying... eat in quantity. I've got the uh, I've got the death chip, and I opened the box, and my wife was like, "You're not doing that. We have a baby on the way. <laughs> <laughs> You're not gonna die from a tortilla chip." It's a tough way to go could, for sure. I think so, we can do. I have Jeremy. I also have mine in the cabinet in the in the pantry. Do it's, I need? Yeah, so do I need to get one? Do we need to do a, a do podcast? It, it's nasty. I, my buddy Mike came here like a month ago. And he's, I mean, he puts me to shame on spicy stuff. He could just pound it. Ooh. And I had two of them in there. And Mike went. He did like, Well, we were going to, we were going to try. <clears throat> and we yeah, broke it off it into like, probably like a third of the chip, right? Yeah. So he popped that in his mouth and I had another third like waiting for me. And, and I was just watching him. Big mistake because I, I chickened out. I, after seeing <laughs> him go through it and his nose was like, running eyes watering i'm like god damn i'm like i'm not up for this tonight you know yeah yeah i like yeah. spicy but yeah i hate what my body does hey, so you mentioned that funny story just today michelle told me about she she's telling me about these guys in midwest that are passing along this little prank they did so this dude up in the Montevideo branch bought like six of those death chips and he put he, them in doritos no, but he, he oh. like went and played against these these dudes' egos that are I, I kind of know a few of them, so I could picture it. And it's just like, <laughs> hey, I heard you like spicy stuff. Uh, you probably wouldn't want this chip, right? <laughs> and they're like, oh, oh whatever, no. I'll take it down. And all three oh, of them no. just about died on the spot. Like, oh no, that's that's a mean prank. I mean, if you don't, yeah, yeah, if you don't know what you're getting that's into, that yeah, they, they were. There were so many kids that were going to like the ER on, you know, doing TikTok challenges and things like that. Like, hey, my heart I'm never gonna take it. I, I was I uh, was really all in on it, and I thought like if I just pull my stomach enough, uh, I think I'll leave it alone. Yeah. Someday. Live not live to die that. another day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh I think that wraps us up for today. So episode 14 in the books. Thanks everybody for hanging out with us. If you want to see what we look like, go to our YouTube channel, like us, subscribe, PT Shop Talk, hate for remarks, comments on our list, tell us why we're awesome, PT Shop Talk at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can get us anywhere podcasts are found. Again, I'm Casey Hansen. And Jeremy Van Cloppenberg. And Jeremy Van Cloppenberg. We gotta get our timing down. Yeah, you guys, you'll get it someday. Thank you. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Thank you for subscribing to the Pot of Thunder. Yeah, that's <laughs> never gonna take off. All right, until next time, everybody. Goodbye. Peace.